welcome to Media Plus, our weekly look at Apple and its place in the digital media ecosystem. I'm very excited to have a new guest on, a first-timer. He's, But he probably is not a new voice, or if you can see him, a face, for many of my listeners, because you will know Chuck Joyner, of course, as the host of Mac Voices. And I'm very pleased you're here, Chuck. How are you? I'm great, Charlotte, and I'm I'm excited to be here too. This is a little bit different. Well, you know, you, you've invited me into your home, onto your show. You've got to reciprocate invitations, haven't you? Well, I I love I always love having you on, and uh, it's it's going to be interesting to have you turn the tables on me. Yes, well, you know, after those difficult interviews and grillings you've given me, this is going to be a tough half an hour for you. But you know, but <laughs> okay, I'm I'm prepared. You ready? <laughs> so I kind of. When I have a new guest on a first-time guest, I like to just get a little prod and get a picture of what they think of Apple in the context of digital media and the digital media ecosystem. Uh, And you said something to me off-air that was really, really interesting that I'd like to explore with you now that we've hit the record button, which is Apple has been a media company for a long time. We just didn't realize it. And given that I wanted to be on this show and present this show and you know have written about this apple as a media company for a while now i obviously agree with you what was what brought you to that conclusion though what was your take on it so i guess a couple things um and i first of all it's the, the definition of media um and so if we go the whole way back i mean apple was the desktop publishing revolution so that was the print media that it became heavily entrenched in and and transformed And then iMovie came around, and that was its first foray into video creation and editing. And that that gave the power of storytelling to a whole lot of people that never had it before from a video perspective. Then, and of course, along with iMovie came Final Cut. And Pro Tools and Logic became industry standards on the the Apple platforms. And so it was in, they, they became a dominant force, or at least a significant force, in the recording in the music recording industry. Then we have iTunes, and that was media delivery and music consumption. And especially iTunes, I think that's where people maybe think about Apple starting as a media company, but maybe not because we didn't, none of us thought of it of music as media. We just thought of it as music. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's it's been around for a long time. And as you pointed out, um, you know, Apple became the home, the originator of podcasting uh, and not the inventor. It's, no. it's it's important to note. Yes, but you know, but the, but sort of the place that podcasting really did take off, and then of course we can just carry right on through to everything since then, including Apple TV, uh, Apple TV Plus, and and Apple TV. So I, I mean, at, at at its core, it's been a media company almost since day one. It's just that we didn't think about it quite that way. So is is it? Yes and no. I, I kind of agree with you because what everything you've said is quite clearly true. My differentiation, I think you're right that it comes down to how you define how we use our definitions and how we define media and what is a media company. And obviously, in, in the time you and I have been covering and following these things, that has changed very rapidly and quite dramatically. But the difference between the two sets of things you're describing, I think is important. So being the place where you can run logic and record and being the computers that you can build a home studio around, 
and having the device that you get podcasts on, I think is still a big shift from what we see now, which is there are Apple branded movies, Apple produced movies in cinemas. I think that is quite a big shift. Oh, oh, I, I, I agree. It's a shift, but knowing how Apple likes to control everything, <laughs> is it a surprise no, that sure. they would want, you know, they, that they would want to be able to dip their toe and maybe their foot and maybe their whole leg into the, into you know that side of it when they've created all these amazing devices? I mean, we sort of didn't even touch on the iPhone and iPad no. as media consumption devices, and yeah. so. You know, why wouldn't Apple want to put their own content on those devices? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, just because it didn't for a number of years, but you're right that as an endpoint, it it makes perfect sense in lots of ways. I, which kind of brings us nicely. You've mentioned the iPhone and the iPad and content that we're getting to. And that very nicely brings us to what the kind of main thing we really wanted to discuss today is. Basically, we just want to engage in some wild speculation about WWDC and what we might see from a media perspective. Now, here's my starter for 10. I would be absolutely amazed if we don't get one, if not two, trailers from shows and movies during the WWDC keynote. I think for sure Ted Lasso will make an appearance because it's coming out not that long after the keynote, and we might get some other stuff as well. So I think that's just indicative. I think that will happen. I'll be very surprised if it doesn't. And I think it will be indicative of how much this stuff has become embedded into Apple's way of doing things. We've seen it at other big Apple events, and I think this will be the same. Um, will we get any big announcements of new shows and contents? I suspect not. That feels I, to me not the platform they'd use to do that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I've, I think you know there might be some more more details of things that have already been announced. Yeah, uh, I mean, some of us are are desperately waiting for the Foundation series to you know to, to arrive. I'd be surprised if we didn't see some updated trailers for some of the things that that have been announced. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm with you. I don't think this particular event is going to be a place that's going to showcase brand new announcements of new shows no we might the, the best we might get is a, a kind of launch date for the morning show series two or something which i don't think we quite know yet um yeah and i you know i'd kind of be surprised you, you bring up ted lasso you bring up the morning show i'd be sort of surprised if we didn't see something special from those shows just specifically for dub dub right um, and and what i mean by that is ted lasso talking to the the, the dub dub audience or the dub dub viewers um, <laughs> as, you know as opposed to just a clip listen um, I, I want ted lasso revealing ios 15 and if that is, <laughs> doesn't happen i'm not interested that's what we want we want jennifer aniston telling us all about i ipad os in the future of the Mac. This is what we want. Come on. Um, okay. I I can I, I kind of get Ted Lasso announcing iOS 15. I'm trying to determine Jennifer Aniston's credibility in talking about the other, but uh, I'll so go I with it. Be, I think it'd be great. Uh, but yeah, it. I think we will start to see. I think those figures are going to become increasing. Like we're, we're joking slightly, but I think the point is 
a serious one that we're going to start to see some of these people be embedded on the what would be tri- the uh, inverted commas tech side of Apple. I, th- the, I think the lines between the tech side and the media side of Apple at events such as WWDC are going to become increasingly blurry. I, I, I agree with that, but maybe from a different angle. Um, okay. I think I think that the tech, I think that anytime Apple holds an event, even if it's at DubDub, even if it's just targeted to developers, it's 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 an event. I mean, it's an event that is noted on the morning, the 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 8 a.m. morning news shows here in the U.S. And it probably is in. Well, I'm not going to speak for the U.K. I don't know. But yeah, no. I mean, here, big big Apple announcements sort of covered the world over. Yeah, it, it just. I mean, that's just become it. And as as opposed to a lot of other tech companies who, oh yeah, they had a conference and you know what was announced. But with Apple, it's like Apple announced today that you know this, this, and this, right. and. And I also think that they, you know, they 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 know that they obviously know that they get that press, and therefore they make sure that there's an announcement that is newsworthy across a, a broad uh, media spectrum. Sure. So that they do get that coverage. So it's I'm not sure which came first, the chicken or the egg, but we have yeah. you know we have breakfast. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and we know. I think that's right, and I mean from the. I think a particular interest on the developer side and the kind of content creation side will be if we hear any more about podcasts and podcast subscriptions. Uh, We know there's been some issues around that and kind of it looks like there's some delays in rolling podcast subscriptions out. Every time I update my phone, the iOS on my phone, I'm waiting to see being offered podcast subscriptions. I haven't yet seen it. Have you, Chuck? Am am, uh, Am I missing something? No, I have not either. No, so uh, that seems to there seems to have been a bit of a delay in that process. So I wonder if we'll hear any more about that or get some insight into what the next stage that is or how successful it's been. You know, will we have a X number of podcasters of site of offered subscriptions since it became available? Type, you know, bit of trivia announced by uh, Tim Cook or one of the other execs. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I think that's the type of thing we'll see as well. For, for what, what's your take from the podcasting and podcaster side? Do you think that will be something that features uh, either in the keynote or other parts of WWDC? I, I wouldn't be surprised, especially since you have the the, the alleged rollout happening in, mm-hmm. in June. You know, June what? Well, gee, Dum Dum <laughs> just happens to be in June. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I can't help but speculate, and, and you said we're allowed to indulge in wild speculation. Totally, please. Okay, so the Apple of today, the Apple of today seems to be a little bit more interested in being responsive to customer feedback than than it has been in the past. The old Apple was just, we put it out here, here it is, that's it. I have to wonder if after the podcast announcement was made, there was a lot of discussion about exactly how it was going to work and the logistics of it. And I have to wonder if somebody inside Apple said, wait a minute, before we roll this out, maybe we should take a look at at some of this, some of these comments, criticisms, ideas, thoughts, and tweak things just a little bit, because it's going to be a lot easier to tweak it now before we roll it out than afterwards. Um, and so I, I can't help but wonder because it's not 
short of a, a pan, the, the pandemic uh, issues and supply chain issues and all, the podcasting thing doesn't seem like it should be something that is affected by any of that. So it no. makes me, you makes don't me need wonder. Chips. Yeah, exactly. So it makes me wonder if there's not something else going on here that has caused this delay. Mm. Yeah, this is very much a software problem. I mean, for people who maybe are not as uh, embedded in this as Chuck and I there, as we know, there was an announcement, I think it was April, wasn't it, where we were told about podcast subscriptions. We were expecting it in the version of iOS that came out probably just under two weeks ago now, isn't it? Not very long ago. We were sort of expecting that to arrive. All the software across all Apple platforms has now been updated to support that. Uh, Mac OS Big Sur, both iPad OS and iOS, all of that is ready to, and Apple TV OS, all of that is ready to offer podcast subscriptions and to facilitate that happening. And yet we're still not seeing it. And it's kind of interesting why that might be. And the truth is, uh, you know, someone at Apple is delighted to be, would be delighted if you want to get in touch and explain to Chuck and I what the delay is. We can, we can tell our listeners and readers, but I suspect that's not the case. And Yes, I I don't I I think there has obviously you you might be right it might be a kind of responding to user feedback thing which I think probably we would all consider a positive way for Apple to conduct itself and conduct its business. Um, it may be something else that you know this stuff is difficult and can be a bit tricky to roll out. Who knows? Take it took a bit longer. You know, just the basic logistics took a bit longer than Apple thought it would. All these things are perfectly possible and maybe in in the fullness of time we'll find out but i i think we will learn more about about how the program is going to move forward i don't think they will in any way reflect on what has gone wrong to this point or what has caused what we perceive as delays to this point at wwdc certainly not in a keynote but i think we may learn more about the the program rolling forward and how it's going to develop and what's going to actually be on offer for podcasts and what support will be available and so on. Two, two points I'd like to make. The first one is that I, I'm, I personally am happy with not happy. I'm, I'm, I accept delays because I would much rather have things come out smoothly mm. and ready, you know, ready for consumption, ready to go, as opposed to just saying, hey, we hit that deadline, but we have, still have a lot of work to do. And we've seen Apple do both of those. You know, there, there are things that have come out that maybe weren't quite fully baked yet. Um, and I've completely forgotten my second point. Darn. It'll, it'll come back. It'll it will, come back. We'll talk about something totally different. We'll do the classic thing. We'll talk about something totally different. And then it will come back. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to, but I think you're right. And I think most, particularly for podcasters who, are, are, I sort of hesitate to use this word, but I probably shouldn't, professional podcasters, for people who produce podcasts as either the entirety or a significant part of their livelihood and maybe interested in a subscription model in some way to either to monetize their work getting it right you only get one chance really you might only get one chance to make someone make the purchase and so getting it right first time for both users who are listening to the podcast and people who are producing them is very important and i think both sets of people would prefer it worked right the first time even if it's a couple of weeks later than we might have thought we were going to get it 
Agreed. And that, and, and you, you took me back to my second point. Thank there you. There we go, Steve. Uh, because you sort of said it, but, but I, I'll, I'll dig just a little bit deeper. You would think that podcast subscriptions should be the easiest thing in the world. You know, I, I see Media Plus in the catalog. I click the button. I'm charged something. And then Charwood gets paid. Apple takes its cut and the world goes on. And I don't know enough about the logistics of that because this is something new. Um, th this is handling a potentially a lot of independent people who are, you know, now going to be paid, and that that means that they're paid from in the U.S. They're paid in the U.K., France, Germany, Australia, you know, Japan. I mean, you name it. They're going to be all over the world. And I've honestly, I hadn't thought about it until until right now. That does this. Is this a, a logistical issue? Well, because we see we see plenty of the financial things that Apple does roll out country to country to country because of all the local regulations. And I'm wondering if there aren't issues here of taxation or revenue sharing or a dozen different things that could be holding this up that would be very logical if it, if it, mm. if that was the issue that was holding it up. Yeah, as I say, I would love to know. Uh, maybe we'll try and find out and dig into it and bring it to you, our listeners and readers. But for now, we don't. But uh, I think we can be pretty confident we will hear something about podcast subscriptions and the further rollout of that during the WWDC keynote. Um, one, off, we all get very excited um, to see the new features that are going to come to our iPhones that are going to come to our iPads uh, during the keynote because what some of the highlights of that event are seeing updates to iOS and iPadOS and indeed the next iterations of macOS often. And often lost in all that noise is poor little tvOS. <laughs> I know, I know. And I think it given the nature of this show, given our interest, I would like to explore a bit the idea, you know, the idea that we might learn a bit more about tvOS and what might come next. Because it seems to me that I'm I actually, I have to say, I don't really, I don't use tvOS. I don't own an Apple TV. But whenever I see highlights of it, whenever I see kind of tips about it or read about it or look into it in any way, I kind of, and I know, I think you are an Apple TV user, so you can give us an insight into this. It it kind of feels to me that Apple TV doesn't quite know what it is. And I'm talking about the software offering, not the the piece of hardware. It's, you know, the TV app has improved. It's become a lot easier to use, but it's still a bit clunky. As a wider thing, you know, it's quite a big deal for Apple to have this ecosystem which has its own tv app and lots of other streaming services available through it as well there's a lot going on there and i wonder first of all what would you like to see that in an ideal world what would they come out and announce about tvos uh at, at, during wwdc and d how much hope do you hold out that you might get those things <laughs> um i'm you know, I'm not, if I were that smart, Charlotte, I'd be working at Apple <laughs> um, because I don't know. I, I mean, tvOS, yeah, in the echo chamber you and I inhabit, um, tvOS doesn't get a lot of eh, – it, it gets some discussion, but not a lot and a whole lot of criticism. But if you go over and look at 
um, the the Amazon Fire OS, mm-hmm. and if you go and look at the Roku OS, I they're all sort of a little bit of a mess because they're trying to serve a whole lot of different masters. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're trying to they're trying to serve streaming. They're trying to serve um, some. A lot of us still have local content. Um, they are trying to promote shows. They're trying to promote discoverability, and that's a whole lot of stuff to be doing. You know, when when you're in a lean back environment with just no matter how good the new series remote is, that's that's just a lot to do there. Mm. So, you know, I, I and I don't know how to fix it because I've. I, I I have um I have an Amazon Fire TV I have mm-hmm. the Apple TV, and I find the same problems sort of with both. That yeah I I, I want to watch something how do I find it? Um, and of course then I didn't even factor in the, the whole studio situation. You know if you want to uh, here in the states if you want to watch NBC then you need to subscribe to Peacock. Um, and we have Paramount if you want to watch Star oh, Trek. Oh yeah, I mean. And you know et, et cetera et cetera et cetera. You know so how do you how do you do, do those effectively without without compromising I guess all the other objectives. Yeah, it, it's a it's a challenge. It's a big I w- challenge. I would like though to see a little bit more time than we do normally get on this this problem because I I think you're right and it is tricky. But I think for the people it matters to, it really does matter. If you, if the Apple TV is your primary entertainment device, it matters to you if it's there's discoverability is easy as you say if getting back to the show you were just watching is easy if you know continuing your box set if fight we said discoverability and find a new show if kind of moving between different services is easy all that stuff i think does matter to users and i would like i would hope they would could make uh you know tvos is it a bit maybe a bit cleaner a bit a bit more user friendly to use. I know they they often make a point at kind of showing how easy it is to use and how clunky with the kind of hint that actually the kind of native smart TV ecosystems are pretty clunky and not very user friendly. And in some cases that is true, but uh, I think they they could do more, couldn't they, with Apple with TVOS and um, maybe someone this WWDC will start take that seriously. I, I would like to think so, but I, I feel like I need to draw a parallel between the Mac OS and TVOS Ooh. in that we all, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave iOS and iPad OS uh, out mm-hmm. of that, although you, you might be able to make some of the same arguments, but f- especially the Mac OS, the more powerful, the more options that it gets or that you want, Unfortunately, the more complex it gets, the more crowded it gets, yeah. unless you're going to start digging three and four layers deep. The and iTunes on the Mac, problem. Well, the iTunes problem, but but I'm thinking I'm thinking as much about just the straight OS that if I go to system preferences, I have preference panes. And then I go down into preference panes, and there are all these settings in those preference panes. And a lot of times there are tabs across the top of that particular preference pane. So I've lost track. Is that three, four, maybe yeah, more levels, right. levels deep? And so, you know... T- Take that now and translate it over into TVOS's problems that we mentioned earlier about streaming services and streaming apps and specific content apps and 
and Apple TV content, original content itself, and Amazon content and uh, Disney content. You know, it's how do you set that up? Unless you're going to say, I'm okay, so maybe I'm dating myself. Oh, this is dangerous, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> but th there was a time that if you if, if you set your TV up on cable, that you could say, I don't want to ever see this channel because I just don't care. So, you know, the, a, a lot of us, the first thing we would do is, okay, I just don't show me the shopping channels. When I'm, when I'm scrolling up or down, I just never want to see the shopping channels because I'm not interested. And so... Apple either needs to, to, to do that kind of thing. They either need to say, I never want to see these channels or these are only the, or the primary channels I want to see. And then that leaves out discoverability and that leaves out access to a lot of things that you might be interested in or that obviously they, they might want to show you. So I, and, and I, again, I don't know how to solve the problem because now, I mean, my God, the, in some ways, the Mac OS pales in comparison to the tvOS problem mm. because there are so many different potential sources of content uh, but on I think that's, Yeah, but I think that, yeah, 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 you're right. Um, there's one final topic that I want to touch briefly on before we finish up because uh, I think it might again play a part at WWDC. Uh, we did do a whole show on spatial audio and in particular lossless music that's coming to Apple Music. I know you're a huge music fan like I am, Chuck, and this you're the type of person that this stuff is aimed at and that care, will care about having lost this audio. Surely, surely, surely we're going to hear a little bit more and get a little bit more clarity on, on that situation as well. I would hope so. Again, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think that unfortunately... There was a great deal of confusion uh, when Apple rolled out the announcement of, of app, uh, lossless music as to what is, which devices would support it and how and, and why. And then we saw, I, it was a week later, two weeks later, uh, press, press releases that the HomePod and HomePod Mini would support Apple lossless. Uh, yeah, it, that was in support documents. A, I'll, I'll share it in the show notes. I did a breakdown last week of all the devices that we are aware support Apple lossless. Right. Now, to defend Apple just a little bit, I mean, this is not, uh, this technology, all this technology is not magic. Um, with with Bluetooth, you, you're not going to be able to get lossless. You're Correct. just, right, you're right, just right. not. And I love the, the I've, I've got the AirPods Pro in right now. I love them. But, you know, they, they are still Bluetooth. So do we need Wi-Fi earbuds to start con contemplating getting Apple lossless? I know there was a lot of, there's been a lot of debate over the, uh, the AirPods, what, plus AirPods Max? Yeah, they, so they do not, yeah. Uh, as we've covered, uh, we've covered it on TDO, we've covered, I've written about it. AirPods Max, even when wired, do not get lossless audio. Right. So are we going to see a way around that? Whether sure. it's a new well, that might be one of the software things that we see, which would be appropriate for WWDC, you know, a firmware update, that kind of vibe. Right. So, I, you know, I think I think that Apple would be very well served to to do some clarification and updates on this situation so that everybody kind of knows, you know, what they're getting or how to get it. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand. OK, um, other than chewing up potentially your bandwidth cap, 
th there's so many discussions out there about what you can and can't hear on which devices. Mm -hmm. And does it does it make a big difference? And how many people really care about lossless audio? Yeah. Other than other than just to be able to say, hey, I'm an audiophile and I'm I need lossless audio. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the topic we touched, I touched on. Uh on a, on Media Plus recently with Adrian Weckler, and that's that we kind of came to that conclusion that for lot it's nice, but for lots of people they won't notice the difference. But uh, right. the WWDC keynote is 10 a.m. on June the seventh. Uh, if you're into platform State of the Union, that's 2 p.m. the same day. That those are both Pacific Daily Time. Chuck, thank you so so much for joining me. I know you'll be covering all elements of WWDC over at Mac Voices. We certainly will over at the Mac Observer. Um, where can people keep up with you and your work and, and your show and so on? Uh, best place is macvoices.com. That's where you can get links to the, all the show notes. We do a live show Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on YouTube at uh, youtube.com slash TV. And I'm on the social networks if you want to chat as at Chuck Joyner. Thanks, Charlotte. It's been fun. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having for coming on. Not for having me. Normally, I'm normally your guest, but uh, yes, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I'm I'm Charlotte Henry. You can follow me at Charlotte A. Henry on Twitter or keep up with what I write about over at themacobserver.com. Chuck, folks, once again, and I'll see the rest of you next week. Mm -hmm.